Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello and welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. Thank you for joining us. Lots going on on this week's podcast. We'll talk about Wigan. We'll talk about that amazing win against West Brom. Matty Taylor, his selfless actions. We'll hear from Lee Johnson as well. We're also going to hear from Andreas Feynman on his red-hot form. And Scott Minto joins us on the podcast as well for a quick chat about how Bristol City are doing. Aston Villa this weekend too. Is it winnable? And I'll ask Gregor, as I do every week, are Bristol City going to do it? More on that later on. So, Gregor, wow, if you'd said four points from those three games, you'd have said three against Wigan and one against West Brom. How do you explain it? Yeah, incredible, isn't it? Just a terrific run of results. What, three three wins and a draw in the last four games, but all against teams around them or, or certainly at the top end of the, the league. It's, it's a fantastic bit of form they've hit. How do I explain it? Well, I probably have to say the change of tactics for me has been huge. It just seems to be getting the most out of these players. Also, uh, the the international break, you, you can't look beyond that because obviously since then we've, we've had these great performances and it seems like that extra bit of uh, time for recovery and, and the players refreshing themselves over those two weeks. Or, well, actually it was three weeks almost, wasn't it? That break is has really done wonders for the squad and yeah they seem to have been able to uh, press and energize themselves um sorry to yeah to press a bit more in games and, and it's probably making the difference but also I would agree with what Lee Johnson has said a little bit here and let's not forget that there was a lot of trading last summer obviously the big 3 leaving and then also which we haven't, people haven't made much of, but also Horda Magnuson played a lot last season and and doing big games for Bristol City. So that's that's when you factor in basically the, the guys who've come in, you're looking at a, well as we as we've said many times, a whole new defence there, and it's always going to take time for everybody to gel and get that cohesion and for it all to come together. And basically, that's what's happening now. That's that's why the the teams. The teammates know each other. They know where to pass, where the, where people want passes, what runs they're going to make. All these kind of things. They're bonded more. There's probably the the guys in the dressing room are definitely coming together better than they have done. And yeah, and City are basically getting the re, the, the results from that now. Yeah. So Wigan, it was a it was lackluster in the first half, wasn't it? How much credit does Lee Johnson deserve for that triple substitution? So yeah, Wigan. I, I just think that was a really even game. Yes, Lee Johnson does deserve credit for the triple substitution, but in the same way, to my mind, my reading of that is that it actually stopped Bristol City winning that game. Well, let me explain that a bit more. Basically, I just feel that with City 2-1 up, obviously they should have um, seen that game out. It was, what, seconds seconds before the end uh, when Wigan scored. They did have a couple of chances just before that. Obviously, Reese James went pretty close. And, yeah, I think there was just a minute left when they got the second goal. And, yes, they deserved it. And it was a pretty even game, especially if you look at the XG and the shots from both sides, the chances for both sides. Probably a point was deserved for, for both teams. But I just feel that, yeah... Lee obviously changed the game with his three substitutions, and that was brilliant. And he and he probably did need to do it. Although I have discussed with a couple of fans, did he need to make three? Maybe two might have been enough. Easy to say that in hindsight. Whatever, he got that right. Turned the game around. It's been brilliant. But I just feel that 
If they'd had that one substitution left, they might have been able to bring on Nathan Baker or something because they were finding it difficult to clear the ball. If you look at their clearances specifically, they weren't getting much distance away from goal. So it meant that Wigan can, could basically profit from that. The other thing is, we have to say, obviously, um, Thomas Callas, he, he, he was probably fouled in the build-up there. There was an elbow sort of from Leon Clark there and, and maybe another referee... F- Apart from Keith Stroud, obviously, might have given that. Mm. Okay, well, the late equaliser was a bitter blow, uh, but clearly they learnt from that, didn't they? From Tuesday's win and and what Matty Taylor did. Yeah, so the late equaliser was indeed, yeah, a bitter blow, but um, yeah, they, they've obviously moved on quickly and heck of a start, wasn't it? On on for the West Brom win, you, three goals in seventeen minutes and. We've been calling for this for ages for City to, to 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 come up with the goods in the first quarter of the game. I think before that match, and, and probably still are now, they were City were ranked as the third worst team in the league for goals in the opening fifteen minutes of games. So yeah, they've got work to do there. But as, as I've said, this is kind of like the, the final piece in the jigsaw, really, for, for Lee Johnson. He's got everything else right. So, yeah, there's work to do there, and the club seem to be getting that right. They got the start they wanted and just absolutely blitzed the baggies with some t- terrific play, terrific goals. Really great to see Jack Hunt scoring his first goal and assist from Jada Silva. I, I wrote about how that was wing-back to wing-back, and if you're a coach, then that's probably something that you're going to be really pleased about, as was the first goal where Marlon Pack presses up the pitch, wins the ball high off Jake Livermore, and and when you're yeah, a manager, then I expect these things really do please you. So I can imagine that Lee Johnson was very, very impressed with the start. And yes, they were hanging on a little bit at the end, but as I sp- I spoke to Andy Vyman after the game and he said that they knew they were going to have to score a few goals against this West Brom side if they were going to win the match because they've got so many attacking threats, which was very honest of him. And um, yeah, he was right. And that was the the case as it was. I should probably say as well, I thought there were some terrific saves from Max O'Leary. Yes, he's got a bit of work to do to command his box and deal with crosses and set pieces better, but his shot stopping was absolutely outstanding and crucial saves from Dwight Gale, the volley, and uh, in the second half of the back post. Brilliant from Max. So on to West Brom then. Best first 20 minutes of the season? Best first 20 minutes of the season? Oh, without doubt, yes. I mean, it's only the second time at home this season in the league that Bristol City have hit three goals or more. So the only other time was when Blackburn Rovers' home 4-1 win, wasn't it, earlier in the season? So they haven't hit too many sort of, yeah, salvos of of goals. Um, So... Yeah, got to got to treasure that, and hopefully they can do a few more before the end of the season. But the way they, they the Robins are going, the, the momentum they've got, the energy for the players, the, they'll all have the bit between their teeth at the moment, and I think they will have some better starts and some better home performances. Yeah, even at three 0 up, did you worry it might be? You know, last season everyone remembers what happened three 0 up against Sunderland. It finished three three. Did you worry it might be another Sunderland? Yes, absolutely. I did. That, we were discussing it in the press box. When was the last time they threw away a three-goal lead? And I think it was, yes, yeah, Sunderland at home last season. Um, obviously, they had the 5-5 with Hull as well. 
But yeah, specifically from 3-0 up, it was, yeah, 3-3 with Sunderland, remember that one? And that's that was my fear, and probably a lot of fans' fears, fans' fears as well, that we were going to see something similar. And don't forget that they, unfortunately, had something similar exactly a year before that as well, when they were 3-0 up at Derby County, and then it went back to 3-3. And so, yeah that's probably a huge indication of how this Bristol City team have grown that they were managed to see this game out get the three points and and see away yeah the the baggies and it's do not underestimate it West Prom are a, a very good size plenty of good quality players there Rodriguez and Gale were well sort of to my mind nigh on unplayable at times the other night and it's going to be very difficult for anyone to stop those guys to, Gale, really, for me, is a Premier League player. He should be back at Newcastle scoring those goals. But anyway, regardless, great result for City and uh, we move on and they're now in a fantastic position. OK, well, let's talk Matty Taylor. Didn't deserve to be dropped. You can understand Lee Johnson's thinking. And then when he could score, he was so unselfish taking the ball to the corner. Yeah, little point on Matty Taylor. He came off the bench, didn't he, for the final few minutes. And as has been pointed out on Twitter... Um, there was a, just this little cameo at the end where with just a, a minute or two to go, the ball broke to him and it was one-on-one basically with the last defender. But instead of going for goal, which a lot of players might have done, he sort of t- did the team thing and he went to the corner flag and he basically ran down the clock. I think he got a throw. I think that was another throw afterwards. And then pr- basically the final whistle went. So, yeah, just... Indicative, as other people have said, I think it was Brendan of BBC Sport who, who tweeted about it, saying that it is a, a great showing of the of the team ethic and team spirit that Lee Johnson's instilled in this side, and also of how Matty Taylor is is, is such a, a team player that he's he's willing to sacrifice himself there for the for the good of the Robins, and that's what you need at this time of the year, and and. It's fantastic to see, really, because it's upon yeah little moments like that that City are going to eke out a few more results and hopefully they can do it again. Just how big, Gregor, is that three points against West Brom? Yeah, I think that is it, that is a huge result for them. You look at things now, obviously, Villa have just beaten Rotherham, so they're back down to sixth, but they've got a four-point gap over Middlesbrough, plus the game in hand. This weekend, it doesn't need any hyping up, but it's going to be so huge. Fifth against sixth, and huge numbers of City fans going out there. 2,600 City fans making the trip up to the Midlands. It's going to be um, a great game in prospect. And, yeah, I know Villa, obviously, they've won seven games in a row. It's going to be difficult. There's a little bit of luck, isn't there, for, for City? Because just like the Tuesday game when West Brom came and Hagazi was suspended, now Tyrone Mings is going to be suspended after he got a red card last night against Rotherham. So, yeah, these little things are going the Robins' way. I fancy I fancy City maybe with the form they're on in to maybe get, get a draw. I know... Uh, I know, obviously, there'll be a lot of relishing of coming up against those former Robins, Tammy Abraham, Albert Adoma and Jonathan Codger, obviously, and then Andy Vyman going back to his former club. It's And Nathan Baker as well, possibly. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a heck of a game. And I'm not sure they need to get anything even. I, I think they could lose this one, but as long as they can pick up a, a couple more wins. And, yeah, I agree with a few people saying that maybe they need, I think, six games left, maybe need three more wins, and that might be enough with the position they're in. And, yeah, hopefully they can do that. 
probably the the game against Derby at home, the final home game, is going to be huge as well. If they could win that one, then I think they should be home and hosed. It was a big, big win, wasn't it? Let's hear from Andy Vyman on that game now. Yeah, talk us through the goal. It's a case of being in the right place at the right time? Yeah, I think so. I, think I always try and forget in front of the defenders in the box and... Yeah, Brownie had a bit back in and, and I managed to, to get free and just flick it in there. And also set up the first goal as well. Not a bad night's work. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, the start was brilliant. I think we, we really hit them without pressing at the start. Um, obviously, the first goal, I think Marlon nicked the ball off and played a 1-2 Brown and he, he finished it really well. They're um, a good opposition though, aren't they? And a tough, tough match tonight, wasn't it? It was. I mean, they were great attacking players. We knew that before the game. We knew we'll probably have to score a couple of goals to get a win and luckily we managed to hold out in the end. Does it feel like a, a big win tonight, especially with the other results? Yeah, I think it's been a really good 10 days or so for us. Um, really big win again and we go to Villa Park now with a lot of confidence and, and hopefully we can keep this one going. How do you view the race for the top six at the moment, particularly with your old side Derby in the mix as well? Um, I think we've always just looked at ourselves really obviously I won't probably say we've still got a game in hand as well so it is looking good and it's, it's, it's in our hands that's that's all we can ask for at this stage of the season really and if we keep going that way I think there's no reason why we can't finish in the top six uh, So should I ask a couple of questions now for yeah, 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 that's fine Okay uh, <laughs> So, uh, Villa next up then Saturday. They've won six in a row, obviously. We don't know how they're going to do tomorrow night at the moment. But um, what kind of threat are you expecting from those guys? Do you know much about Dean Smith's team at the moment? Um, Not really. We'll obviously focus on this game today. But um, we'll we'll have the next few days, obviously, looking forward to to the Villa game. And then we'll know about all their strengths and weaknesses. And we'll go out of a game plan to to get a win. For these close games, I mean... Obviously, you guys are setting a marker at the moment because you, you've beaten three of the, the rivals, well, yeah, the other teams around you, and I guess that's going to give you every confidence going to Villa at the weekend. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the team teams we want to play, that's the atmospheres we want to be in, and, and while if we get into the playoffs, that's the teams we're going to play against. So, actually, we're taking a lot of confidence from that, and, and we just want to go again on Saturday now. Just finally a word for the fans because they were pretty loud tonight and uh, I think it's a sellout at the weekend as well so uh, going to be a big backing there. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant obviously. <laughs> Probably three goals in the first 20 minutes helped, helped that everyone was, everyone was buzzing and then at the end they, they knew that they had to help us out to, to see the game out and they were brilliant in backing us and we managed to obviously see it through together. Thanks mate. Thanks, Thank you. Cheers. Thoughts there of Andy Vyman after the game against West Brom? He's been in red-hot form. OK, let's hear from Lee Johnson after that game and what he said about the players playing without fear. No, absolutely not. And they shouldn't because, like like we said, they shouldn't play with fear because nobody's expecting anything from us. You know what I mean? And uh, any result that we get, particularly on the road, and we've been good on the road this year, um, is almost almost a shock in terms of the perception. It's not for us because we, we play our game and uh, I think we play it well, so... Yeah, I'm very encouraged by the win tonight and uh, there'll be a lot of people, I reckon, like, I'll probably have to have a glass of whiskey tonight just to get over it. And uh, (coughs) people even watching the telly, probably even neutrals would have been biting their nails depending on uh, what they actually wanted as the game progressed. And you'll be roared on on Saturday by 3,600 or so Bristol City fans, I think. Yeah. So it's going to be great after that great atmosphere. Absolutely. We travel really well to that. Birmingham area and, and listen we're not tired like 
I remember a couple of years ago, we went to Villa Park and we've been to Newcastle and got a great result. Mm. But you could see at that point we were hanging in in legs. But we haven't. We've got a squad that we can rotate if we need to. You saw Baker come in today. Um, Vyman died a little bit, but Matty Taylor, he didn't deserve to be dropped, did he, um, for his performance. So the more... Um, players with confidence and, and Casey Palmer scores a goal and doesn't even get on the pitch today. It's nice to have those clubs in the bag, if you like, to be able to mix it up because I trust all the lads, particularly in that sort of 22, 23 we've got in the squad. Villa this weekend then, Gregor. Uh, just heard from Lee Johnson then with the players playing without fear. No time roamings. Uh, who has a better chance of making the playoffs, Villa or City? Well, I'm going to twist it slightly who has the better chance of making the playoffs Villa or City I would go with Villa just because I think they've got the, the goals in that team I mean Grealish that goal they scored last night against Rotherham is just simply amazing runs from the halfway line collects the ball back drills it in low we, we discussed him recently as the best player in the championship I think he really is I think he's up there if he's not the best one then he's probably only in the top one as Brian Clough might say but um, yeah he's, 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 he's in there he's in the uh, sort of the upper echelons in the league and he's going to be a man to be contained they've obviously got other players Abraham's got what 23 goals for the season now same amount that he got in 16-17 for Bristol City so many threats there Codger showing a little bit of form and yeah at the other end obviously Villa not so good but I fancy them to get fifth I actually think there might be a slight chance they might even get, get fourth because I think the baggies might drop a little bit but it depends on how things go against City at the weekend maybe a draw is the smart result this weekend and that would be brilliant for City um, avoiding the loss but as I say even if they do lose I do fancy Bristol City to be in a great position um, but as you know as I said last week I'm tipping them not to make it to the playoffs because hopefully then uh, they continue this good run and they uh, to make the playoffs Gregor you always say you're tipping them not to make it it's that reverse psychology so we'll go with that and yeah obviously the twist is who might be better placed to do something in the playoffs well I fans if, if City do make it I think they're going to finish sixth I'm not sure they can finish any higher than that I'm not I'm not convinced that they're going to show the form needed to finish fifth or even fourth so yeah if, if they do obviously make it they would face Leeds or um, Sheffield United and I actually think that would suit City and don't forget Lee Johnson has already said he would love to face Leeds United in the playoffs that that could happen the other thing is they've beaten Sheffield United twice this season so I don't think there'd be too much fear about facing the Blades again so it might actually suit City to come sixth rather than fifth and uh, yeah that's if they make it but as I say don't forget I'm tipping them not to make it at the moment what can you tell us Michelle about Villa's Villa's form you've probably seen more of them than I have anyway so I mean do you, are they that good have they got any weaknesses seven wins in a row is tremendous um, sign of the progress under Dean Smith they, they seem to be coming good at the right time I've got a sneaky suspicion they might make it into the playoff final again and uh, they might do it this time but we'll see we'll see yeah, I think I think they might do it because they're just the informed team, aren't they? Uh, won loads of games in a row. You know, they turned it round against Rotherham midweek. Jack Grealish is their talisman since he came back. They've been absolutely brilliant. Big blow for them, not having Tyrone Mings at the weekend because he is suspended. He got a second yellow for a handball, which led to a penalty against Rotherham. Uh, Tyrone Mings and Courtney Hawes have been at the heart of this Aston Villa defence. They have been the key to the turn of form, uh, especially since after Christmas. Those two have been 
formidable, but they won't be together on Saturday because Tyrone Mings will be missing. It'll be interesting to see what he does if we put someone in like Tommy Alphick, who's still a very good defender. But you've got to say, when you look at Aston Villa without Tyrone Mings, they're not as daunting um, a prospect. They're not at all. So it's going to be very interesting. The big threat is, of course, Tammy Abram as well. We know all about him. Really enjoyed your piece, Gregor, this week. Uh, what Lee Johnson said about him, that's well worth a read on the Bristol Live website. And Jack Grealish and Tammy Abraham, you've just got to try and stop them. But then you've got John McKinn as well. So, yeah, they're a, a huge, huge team in the championship. So it's going to be a big ask. Um, I believe you've got some transfer stuff to finish with. Final bit on transfers, because I put up a big story online this week about City's plans for the summer. I just want to explain that, because I always have a, a sort of a, a second wind on here sort of explaining some of the stories and yeah basically I've been hoovering up a few little bits from here and there behind the scenes from people that I speak to uh, from all over the, the place really and and yeah what I'm told is that Bristol City are going to be making a doing a fair bit of business this summer they've got several uh, positions they wish to reinforce as I put in my piece there's seven areas of the team they want to um, upgrade if they can. It'll obviously depend on who's available, who's affordable, as well as what division obviously they're in and the budgets that that then has an impact on. But we've spoken about it before. They they wanted a striker in January, so they'll obviously want one there. Obviously, there, there's these rumours with Kel Ruse, and another name I've heard linked is um, Joe Lumley of. QPR, although I'm not too sure that they actually are interested in him, just maybe might have considered him. Uh, elsewhere, I know they want um, a holding midfielder. We've spoken before about how Lee Johnson likes Joe Williams. And um, another guy that, that I know that they're interested in is uh, the Motherwell midfielder, Alex Rodriguez. He, he's in the story as well. They also want an attacking midfielder and hope to keep hold of, obviously, Jada Silva and Thomas Callas. And obviously, they've got Casey Palmer as well. If they can turn all those guys into permanent deals, then, yeah, they'll have done a heck of a lot of business. And they'll also want some younger guys like they do every year. But again which division they, they're in and uh, the final decisions obviously won't be made until the end of the season. That's just um, a few of the bits that I've heard, uh, the, a few of the players that they're looking at currently and um, a little bit about their plans for the summer. Yeah, interesting. Thinking about summer already. Right, just before we go, here's what Scott Minto had to say on Bristol City's season so far when Gregor caught up with him. How, what do you think of Bristol City's season yourself? I mean, you might not have seen them too much, but... Um, how, how do you feel they've done under Lee Johnson just generally? Yeah, I think the fact that um, I personally haven't covered them that much uh, this season shows that they've probably gone under the radar. Um, I think it's a fantastic job that Lee Johnson... I mean, I've been impressed with him for a few seasons now, to be honest with you, and one of the things that's impressed me about him is his, um, his ability to stay calm under pressure. You know, we know that he goes through some very good results, but can go through some bad results, and he you know, he did it at Barnsley, let alone at Bristol City, and, and yet he came through. And it's great that you've got a, a, an owner who, who believes in him because every time I speak to him, I'm very impressed with how he talks about football and how he sees football. And I think he's um, still very, very young indeed. What, the way he dealt with some key players going, um, you know, in the summer, as you mentioned, not just the Flint, uh, Brian and Reid, but also Magnuson too. The money that I think was, I think it's 26 million that went out and 11 million pounds spent, you know, and, and you know, the, the goalkeeper problems, you know, building a new defence almost. He's evolving as a manager uh, at, at, with each season. 
and he's learning so much. So I, I honestly, at the beginning of the season, really enjoyed watching Bristol City play last season. I put them in the same bracket in my mind anyway as like Sheffield United, where you wouldn't expect them to be top six, but... Um, you know, both managers are doing a fantastic job now. What Chris Wilder has done at Sheffield United is absolutely incredible. But I think Lee Johnson's not far behind because, as I say, with the, the, the main players gone, he's had to almost rebuild the team, um, new players in, deal with things. You know, he shows he's adaptable. He plays in with different formations according to the, the games coming up. Um, he's not just set, and therefore it's difficult for an opposition manager and team to, to say, right, they're set in this way, we're going to do this, this and this. Um, so I've, I've just been really impressed with how, you know, what we've got seven games for Bristol City, six games pretty much for the rest. They're, they're in six spot and, um, you know, what a great run it is going to be. Mate, that's absolutely perfect. We have a goal show straight up that they can use on the touchscreen and stuff. So midweek game, we're, we're at Sky. Um, so I don't think I've been at Bristol City yet this season. I think the other Bristol City game we had was, was in September, was it on, in Middlesbrough or, or something like that. Um, so maybe maybe the playoff semi-final will be the first time I get down there. <laughs> would, would be good, would be good. Nice one. Great there to get the thoughts of Scott Minto on the podcast. And really, he thinks that Bristol City could do it thinks he could be coming down here for a semi-final we shall see well thanks for listening this week if you're listening on iTunes please rate and review us and we'll be back ahead of a massive Easter weekend for the Robins after the Villa game Robins on the Wire